Hello, everybody. Welcome to Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. A podcast with me, Jason Johnston Yellen, and my very good friend, business partner, Joshua Hatton, where we cover the latest in whiskey news. Look at that. We actually Is that right, ha- Joshua? I'm good with it. I, I love that we have a podcast where where we have to just focus on whiskey for 30 minutes, and that's it. And boom. Right? Yeah, I think after our pilot episode, we already got comments from people that... It was too short? It's too long. <laughs> that's, no, that a podcast without penis jokes would be a podcast they would not listen to. Oh, So yeah. while we are firmly focused, see what I did there? <laughs> On the news at hand, see what I did there? <laughs> we will still be sliding in, see what I did there? Dick jokes along the way. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, I tell you. But you'll have to pay close attention. I, I will say this, yeah. though. Oh, okay. The hardest thing, see what I did there? <laughs> is going to be... Keeping it to 30 minutes, which... I, I can't even get, I can't get it to 30 <laughs> seconds sometimes. So. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> oh, see that? That was the lowest low ball of all. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Joshua. Yeah. The, the idea for this podcast, we mentioned it in the pilot. We'll keep mentioning it at the start of each episode until people get into the swing of it. But back when I had a, a blog, Get mm-hmm. Scotch Drink, mm-hmm. I would do a Sunday episode where I would, a Sunday episode, you can tell I live in the world of podcasting now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, <laughs> I would have a Sunday post that would cover the, the news, things I'd learned that week. And I would cover some from traditional print media, even with it being online, and I would cover some from bloggers, oftentimes bloggers I was familiar with, blogs mm-hmm. that I would read. And as any month would come and go, those weekly Sunday posts Mm -hmm. would be the most popular I had. So now that you and I have got a podcast, we're busy with One Nation Under Whiskey, with interviews and all of our normal nonsense in them, we've added extra, extra, it's all about whiskey, to give us a chance to reflect on some news, some whiskey news from that week. I tell you, in hindsight, it's kind of funny to me that your your Sunday post, which, which was one that I I would look forward to every week. Of course, I look Thank forward to, to your posts whenever they they popped up because a lot of my whiskey education, uh, especially from the outset, uh, came from you. So I am always and eternally thankful to High you. High praise. High praise. I'm blushing on the other side of this podcast. <laughs> but what, what I find so interesting is that your most popular post was you sharing other people's opinions and not your own. <laughs> and that, in a funny way, is funny to me. <laughs> See, my, my read of that was it wasn't really about sharing my opinions or not. It was more uh, a collection Right, it's it's what BuzzFeed would go on to become. Yeah, right. No, that's a good point. And yep. and a hundred other yep. sites whose names I couldn't even give you right now. But it's a place to go where somebody has brought somebody else information, mm-hmm. something valuable. Mm-hmm. And I think you know me saying I found this useful, helpful, insightful, interesting. You might too. And here's another four things, and here's some blogging things. I think. That's what brought people back. So yes, I, I appreciate Agreed. your, I appreciate the cheeky point that you're making. 
Um, but I, I think it was more than that. <laughs> it was more than that, but I'm feeling I'm feeling a bit cheeky this morning. So, okay, so so let's see if we can beat some cheekiness out of you. You and I have each brought a new story to this recording. Mm-hmm. I don't know yours. You don't know mine. I'm gonna throw you in at the deep end. You can br- introduce us to your first. Oh, here this is this is your first news story in this new podcast, Joshua. Yeah, yeah it is. So you get to break the cherry. Oh, right. Uh, so the the piece that I brought with me is actually written by Fred Minnick, and this was written for Forbes. Okay. And the headline is, Pandemic Brews Battle Between Liquor Wholesalers, Distillers, and Online Retailers. Uh, firstly, it's a great article, but I've got to say they didn't use the Oxford comma in the headline, which, mm. which has me a bit <clears throat> upset. But... Mm. Uh, I'll let it slide because I like Fred a lot and and I think uh, he's written some great pieces and this is among them. So to to his defense, my guess is that Fred wasn't actually in charge of the headline. Oftentimes it'll be your copy editor who'll do the the headline on your piece. You write the article, they write the headline. And so my guess is that was a a copy editor at Forbes who (laughs) made a controversial decision. Well, Fred, you know who to fire. Um, there we go. We're already <laughs> off on the hot grammar takes. This is this is why people listen to Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. So the story goes, uh, it says, with coronavirus keeping folks indoors, people need a drink. But the liquor mm-hmm. wholesale industry is trying to keep alcohol from being delivered to your doorstep, citing the coronavirus pandemic as an excuse to pass bills that violate, quote, Health and safety policies. Interesting, right? Okay. Interesting start. So it goes on. After Kentucky passed a bill making it the 46th state to allow wine shipping to his residents and gave Kentucky distillers the right to ship products to other states if those states have reciprocal laws, including Alaska, Arizona, Connecticut, Hawaii, Kentucky, that's funny. Oh, well, yeah, I guess you ship within <laughs> Kentucky. Um, Nebraska, Nevada, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Rhode Island, and Washington, D.C. Wines and Spirits Wholesalers of America said this bill threatens the integrity of a smartly regulated marketplace for alcohol that has protected its consumers for generations. So hmm. that that's really interesting that somehow our three-tiered system that is different in all 50 states is somehow protecting consumers. Yeah, that seems like a, well, it seems like a professional take, to be honest with you. It, it, yeah. it doesn't sound like a consumer take. No. Where consumers really are, especially with the online business world. Yeah. If a consumer can find it, find a bottle they're looking for online, they want it shipped to their doorstep. Yeah regardless of what's happening in any other state in which they don't find themselves. Mm -hmm. And so you could see a professional take being, no, we want to control each of the 50 states as we exist within them. Yeah. You and I have had this discussion many times. It's been the wrong approach since the beginning. But Mm -hmm. uh, let me go on. Kentucky Governor Andy Beshear neither signed House Bill 415 nor vetoed it, allowing it to become law April 7th and take effect in July. So 
I in, read that part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he neither signed it nor vetoed it, and so we just went along. It's like when you're, it's like when your kids are doing something uh-huh. that you don't necessarily approve of, but you've already chastised them fifty million times that day, and you throw and your you're hands like, up. I'm yeah. just gonna, I'm not even gonna say anything. I'm just gonna open social media on my phone mm-hmm. and just keep my head down. Yep, and think internally. Just you wait, kids. You'll see. You'll see. <laughs> Stupid decision makers. Uh, though in this case, I think it's a good decision. Signed it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, so let me go on. Um, the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States and the Kentucky Distillers Association were clearly for it, applauding the Commonwealth's legislature for, for its passing. The KDA's, so that must be the Kentucky Distiller Association, uh, the KDA's lobbyist, Chris Nolan, went as far as to say, we passed a new and improved shipping bill that is on steroids. It will take a while to become truly effective, but Kentucky is the first big domino state to enact spirit shipping. I loved hearing that. A big domino state. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is... I think it's really important. Well, I think this pandemic shows just how important shipping can be to businesses. In, oh, for sure. Right? In bad times like this, but even in good times too, when you have small mom and pop shops that have been around for generations having a really difficult time going up against the big box stores of the world. Sometimes they're saving grace to paying the bills, buying food, paying employees is their ability to ship. Yeah. 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 We actually, just as a a very quick sidebar, we just had it last week in Virginia where distilleries within the state of Virginia Mm. have been able to sell to consumers on site as they act as agents of ABC, which is our large liquor conglomerate run by the government Alcohol in the state of Virginia. Alcohol beverage control, is that what it stands for? Something like that. <laughs> it's easy as one, two, three. That's a, I, it's like ABC, you know. Anyway, continue. Uh, and as of last week, because of coronavirus and social distancing, those distilleries are now allowed to ship direct to consumers yes. as agents of Virginia ABC. And it's yes. only enacted yeah. as long as we have coronavirus related shutdown but it goes to show we can we can make these laws anything we want them to be we can have them serve our industry if we want them to and we just need to let our representatives know that we want them to it's one of the things we've talked about for for years now on one nation under whiskey is the empowerment of the consumer Mm. the consumer having their voice heard and i think as you are starting to say here, now we've got this changing landscape mm. in this coronavirus COVID-19 world. We're starting to see what oh, it can be done. Right? There's nothing inherently wrong with a distillery shipping to a consumer no. or, with a, or with a store shipping to a consumer. Now, let's build on that momentum. The, the only thing that's wrong with it is that it's that in some cases, current laws are being broken. But history shows that laws are not necessarily meant to have longevity, that they're meant to have a, a bit of a life cycle to them. 
right? Yeah, no, and I think I think that's a good point within, uh, you know, as we just started this segment by saying, we live in an online world. Mm. If, you, if you're a consumer in California who falls in love with Catoctin Creek Distilling Company yeah. and say Catoctin Creek wasn't being dis- um, distributed in California, mm. you would want to have the right to reach out to Catoctin Creek to have their product. Yeah. That seems yep. like the very definition of free market. Yeah. <laughs> I've got nothing else to add. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me let me just read a few more paragraphs here and then, and then we can break into some uh, a bit more conversation on it. The story goes on. It says, the wholesalers say this opens the door for fraud and illicit products getting into the hands of unsuspecting consumers. That's a really... Uh, uh, how did I get this? Anyway. Um, <laughs> I never suspected getting such a thing. Um, <laughs> Can I just say, that seems like such a specious claim where... You know, you've got like no one has ever said that about buying band aids from Amazon, right? <laughs> like, oh, maybe I won't get the real product that I ordered. That's it's just this. All of this, all of this has to do with how do they reconcile taxes? If we always follow the money, Joshua. right? Right? If 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 these legislators knew how to reconcile taxes for interstate shipping, none of this would be an issue. I mean, there's more to it than that, but I think that is probably a big obstacle, a big stumbling block in making all of this go through. Uh, Anyway, so Michelle Crosmo, who's the WSWA president and CEO, went on to say, Uh, It's hard to believe in the midst of a pandemic, the Kentucky legislator rushed to push dramatic changes to the manner in which people buy and sell alcohol while people's attentions was understandably focused elsewhere. It's not as if these laws are affecting, you know, people's own personal health and safety and livelihoods. Like, these are just old weeks after prohibition ended laws that have yeah. been, you know, slowly built upon, he, you know, here and there over the years. That, but but yeah. I, I often, I often like hearing that type of comment. <clears throat> the context of that is interesting to me because you and I mm-hmm. are in the liquor business. You and I, every single day of the week, pay attention to the liquor business. The yeah. reason we started this 30-minute podcast is because we pay attention to the liquor business. You and I are watching the laws at all times. And the people that you and I communicate with online, you know, clearly we're in social distancing right now. The people you and I communicate with mm. are all liquor industry people or liquor consumers. And we do always talk about these issues. Yeah. And so to hear to hear somebody say, oh, the public were distracted. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the public is looking at some different things right now. They are looking at some different things in the news. You and I and everybody we know, this is center lane stuff. It's center lane stuff. And I'm glad that you put it this way. I, I want to make it very clear. I read this story and I'm making commentary 
not from the perspective of an industry insider, but from the perspective mm-hmm. of a consumer who enjoys an alcoholic beverage. Yep. And when you made your statement, yes, a lot of the people, a lot of the circles that we walk in are people within the liquor industry, but shipping issues, this is something that I per- I've got into whiskey back in 2004, 2005. It's something that I've been thinking about for the past oh, yeah. 15, 16 years. Oh, yeah. So this, this is big. And yes, coronavirus is taking up everybody's minds, you know, all the mind power we have. However, we've been thinking about this for years and years and years and years. And now we're even more focused on it because we're all home. <laughs> Or I'll yeah. like, where are we going to get that next bottle from? A hundred percent. Absolutely. And, and I hope that's, you know, we mentioned Kentucky is a domino state. I hope this is also the beginning of getting more consumer attention. Mm. When the consumer, the, the general consumer who's just buying, you know, a bottle of Johnny Walker Red Label online yeah. is looking for how that gets to their doorstep. And let me let me end this here. There's more to the story but we need to end this here. I want to say this the right way. <laughs> That'll be a first. <sighs> Fuck off. Um, so <laughs> here's the thing. This story goes on to talk about, like it makes a point, this, this company called Drizzly, it's the largest liquor delivery service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Their sales have increased by 500%. Mm-hmm. Day after day after day, their sales are going up and up and up and up. Now, I can tell you from the whiskey importer perspective, there are a lot of smaller distribution houses that have put a complete halt on bringing in any and all new products. So this puts consumers in certain states into a situation where if they really want that new bottle of whiskey, that new bottle of wine, that new beer, whatever it is, that they have to look for, for A, states where the product is brought in, and B, stores within those states that they that will ship to their doorstep. So it's even more important now. And everything, things kind of right themselves. I, I can definitely, from, from a legislative standpoint, I can understand people wanting these laws in place to say, you know, you know, people in Kentucky aren't bringing in this product because times are, are rough. And um, we shouldn't allow this this interstate shipping because it puts the Kentucky distributor at a disadvantage because the mm-hmm. California distributor brought it in and now the California shop is going to ship it. Well, I think these laws need to go through because it will put a bit more pressure on these distributors that are understandably a bit gun-shy to get a bit less gunshine, figure out ways to help their customers, the shops, be able to ship. And laws like this that passed in Kentucky is a good way to get that going, allowing yeah. those liquor laws so so distributors feel a bit more comfortable bringing product in, so shops feel a bit more comfortable buying that product and shipping it to wherever it needs to be shipped to. I think what's clear here, there's a ton more to say here, a ton more to unpack here. All we wanted to do was provide the jumping off point for the conversation, to draw our listeners' attention to the article. On our way 
out of here at the end of our first story, can you remind us the author, I know it's Fred Minnick, and the title so that our listeners can Google search it, read the full article for themselves? The article is by Fred Minnick, and it was in Forbes.com, and the title is Pandemic Brews Battle Between Liquor Wholesalers, Distillers, and Online Retailers. Now, dear listener, again, you're not going to see an Oxford comma in that headline. So I just want to prepare you for it because it's disconcerting. Uh, but it, but anyway, it, it is it is an excellent article, and there's a lot more to to unravel there. Coming back to part two. I want to hold off on my news story for the next episode. Okay. I want I want to circle back to some of the things we started to say in that first half mm-hmm. as we were covering the article you brought to our attention. We started talking about consumers and what consumers are now learning. We've got some of these specious claims that consumers need to be protected. If we were to push beyond our claim that it's specious. Hmm. What do you think is being protected when a when a wholesaler, when a distributor says, we need to keep this in state. We cannot start to go out of state. We can't have our retailers send what we sell them outside of these borders. What do you think is the larger point being made there? Well, I think first off, it, it, it should be pointed out that distributors aren't fighting that fight. Distributors are interested in selling bottles to bars and restaurants for cocktails and on ice pours and and wine and beer, etc. And then to shops, they're just selling to shops. And if those shops happen to make money by shipping, fantastic. If those shops don't make money by shipping, but it's it's foot traffic, that's fantastic too. I don't think distributors are fighting that fight. I think the fight is being fought by those trying, again, it gets back to following the money. Where are these tax dollars going to come from? How, how do we potentially tax it more to, you know, to, to, to make up for any perceived lost revenue? And, and, and I, I put a quote around perceived. You know, if you, if you compare it to Amazon, Right, Amazon for years didn't charge any tax because it was an internet-based company, and no one knew how to tax based yeah. <laughs> based that way. And now I think almost almost all the states are are paying some sort of a tax. You know, it was even to the point where Amazon was hesitant to put physical uh, bricks and mortar warehouses in certain states to avoid having to pay taxes in certain states. Yeah. So I think in the end, it is follow the money. And what is being protected? It's jobs that are being protected. I think now is a perfect time for legislators to have a good hard look on how they can make money off interstate shipping in a similar way that many states are looking as on how to make money off tax revenue from legal cannabis sales. Yeah. It yep, just 100%. requires people looking at it and figuring it out because in the end consumers are going to buy. 
right? You know, whether they're like, man, I really just want my booze. I don't mind paying the extra. Or like me, I'm one of those weird ones where I say, okay, oh, I'm paying my taxes. That's good because I know that money's going to go towards schools. It's going to go towards other, you know, state programs that I, that, that, that I think are beneficial and, and so on and so forth. But it really gets back to protecting that money and protecting people's jobs. So let me ask you this. Okay. And we started to touch on this in the, in the first half. We talked about trying to empower the consumer, mm-hmm. have them communicate with state representatives. What needs to happen for what we're seeing under coronavirus, COVID-19, social distancing, and, and, and these lockdowns? Mm-hmm. What, what messaging needs to be sent up the pole for these changes to to become permanent, for more states to hear the argument? That, <laughs> that is such a deep question. And so first off the bat, uh, I, I, I don't know. But my concern is that that question could have 50 different answers, right? And yeah. and yeah. He, here's yeah. the thing, you know, the, the, the United States is, is a very unusual country in that we have federal laws, but we are a state's law country, mm-hmm. right? Federally speaking, cannabis is 100% illegal, mm-hmm. but certain states allow it. And, you know, you can go drive into Net Massachusetts, go drive by uh, a, a recreational dispensary, and you will see police officers helping consumers <laughs> to, you know, to get into the shop to make their purchases. So... I think what could help all of this come along is if, federally speaking, there were overarching, there was an overarching law that allowed this and allowed certain states to take part in tax revenue distribution. However, I cannot think of a single, and granted, I'm not an economist, <laughs> but I can't think of a single program nationwide that 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 works that way now. Economists may chime in if if we have any economists who listen to this podcast and say, "Oh no, here's here's some really good examples," but I can't think of any examples off the top of my head. But on top of that, you raised a good point in the first half, which is liquor laws are built on the back of post-prohibition laws, mm-hmm. and post-prohibition laws were just a return to pre-prohibition laws. <laughs> Nothing was rethought, reconsidered post-prohibition. Yeah. And now here we are sitting almost 100 years later trying to build 21st century e-commerce off the back of pre-prohibition laws. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you raise such a fantastic point about the US being a country with federal and state laws, but it's also, in this instance, incredibly antiquated laws as well. Yeah. How, you know, how do we go about modernizing the liquor laws? <laughs> oh, man. Are you sure you don't want to make this podcast two and a half hours? <laughs> <laughs> because I think we still wouldn't even scratch the surface on, on, on how to make that happen. I mean, so many of these post-prohibition laws took into consideration uh, the religious attitudes of those times, took into consideration keeping the mob out of out of liquor sales and out, out mm-hmm. of the liquor business 
you know, just back in 2000, it wasn't until October of 2013 where in Connecticut we got Sunday liquor sales. Yeah. Right? So, so you're asking a question which we may not see any substantive change for decades. Now, yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that I'm wrong here in that this crisis, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to go on, it's going to go on for another month or two, that sweeping changes may need to be made, because if not, the real protection here is jobs. So many people in our industry have lost jobs. More people are going to lose jobs if we can't relax these shipping laws. And so I want to get out of here on this. I think given the the landscape change we've seen with pot laws across mm-hmm. the United States, clearly not everywhere, but in a lot of places, we've seen we've seen a changing landscape with pot. We've seen a lot of job loss, as you rightly point out. We're now seeing so many states having their own distilling industry, mm. not just isolated craft distilleries, but an entire industry within their state. And we're seeing the tax that can come. Liquor, writ large, to my mind, has never been more popular than it is right now. Mm. Go, the going out, the socialising, the cocktails, the craft, the local craft, the local beer, you know, rise of mezcal, rise of rum, Scotch is well established, right? It, it just, to me, just seems so popular mm-hmm. right now yeah. that I think if you take in all of those factors, mm-hmm. I think there is a groundswell to make wholesale changes and to keep wholesale changes. They won't hit all 50 states immediately. We might see some trailblazers and we might yeah. see some slowpokes. Uh, not looking at you, Virginia or, or Pennsylvania or <laughs> any others. Um, but I, I really do. I, I really yeah. think we'll start to see it. But yeah, it very well could take the next two decades, three decades, four decades uh, for us to see it fully come into effect. But if we could just yeah. see the beginning of some change, boy, that would be a hopeful thing to see. Well, and and I think that's the beauty of this article is that it starts off talking about change. In one of the most in one of the most conservative states in our union, they made a big change, being able to ship Kentucky distilleries, being able to ship outside of Kentucky. That's a massive step. And, and the second point that, that I wanted to end on is something that you had said. So much of this, if people want to see change, so much of this is going to fall on the consumers making a loud noise and a continuous loud noise because legislators want to hear from their constituents. If they hear enough, then they'll figure it out. Just like anything, the loudest thing gets the attention, the quietest thing will not. Yep, yep. Do you want to give us the the title, the author, and the location one more time for listeners to find it? All right. Okay. So again, the article, uh, which can be found on Forbes.com, written by the good Fred Minnick, is titled Pandemic Brews Battle Between Liquor, Wholesalers, Distillers, and Online Retailers. Cheers, man. That was a fantastic article you brought to our attention. I think we had an okay conversation round about it. 
I love these conversations. <laughs> it, 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 so long as you and I are comfortable with these conversations, oh yeah, I'm good That's, with that. Yeah, we'll, we'll find at least one listener. That, that works. <laughs> Until we set up the extra extra, it's all about whiskey email server. How about listeners, if you want to reach out, comment on anything we had to say today, if you want to send us your own news articles for us to consider, we'd love to see mm. them as well. But just use the the usual address for uh, One Nation Under Whiskey. It's questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com. Yep. Uh, you could also reach out to us on Facebook if you'd like. You could reach out to us on Twitter, at One Nation Whiskey. You could reach out to us on Instagram, at One Nation Under Whiskey. So if, if you want to find us hard enough, you will find us. We have oh, great faith in you. I'm definitely hard enough. We'll be back to do this again in two weeks, Joshua. Until then, be well, be safe, and keep mm. washing your hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> chin chin. <laughs> two chins. Definitely better when you you got to do the hand signal. I think that makes it. Yeah. Like jazz hands? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> Ten jazz elephants. <laughs> Ten jazz okay. elephants walk into a room. Nobody talks about Ten. them now. Ten jizzed on elephants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was almost a spit take. Um, <laughs> That's what the elephant said. Oh, <laughs> But he swallowed. Hey. Okay. You ready? Go ahead. Hello, everybody. Welcome to... I forget the name of the show. <laughs> extra, extra. It's all about I've, whiskey. I practiced it last night as well. Did you? Don't be so cordial. You're a bit too cordial. Hello, everybody. Oh, I can't have my own imprint on this. Who are you, David Letterman? <laughs> Just do it the right way. That's all I have. <laughs> Just do it exactly like I've done it for four seasons. <laughs> so why can't I be cordial? I'm joking. You know, if if you feel that's the way it should be, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Joshua. I open my mouth, and the sound that comes out, I have no control over. <laughs> I'm lucky if I can shape the words. <laughs> <laughs> okay, extra, extra, it's all about whiskey I practiced it last night as I was going to sleep as well So I'd be ready for this morning And now I forgot the name do of the show Do you do it while washing your hands for 20 seconds? It's a 20 <laughs> second intro <laughs> Yeah, I actually do 20 elephants So I wash my hands for about two minutes <laughs> <laughs> It's all the pausing One elephant <laughs> Two elephants. I keep looking in the mirror, like, why are you not starting? Why are you not starting? <laughs> Stop pausing. <laughs> I'm feeding off your pausies. <laughs> uh, okay.